This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Full time at the San Siro and it has finished 2-0 to Liverpool as they beat the reigning Italian champions into Milan in their own backyard in the first leg of their last 16 Champions League tie. You're listening to the post-game podcast from the Blood Red channel with myself, Patrick Smith, as Jurgen Klopp's Redmen have taken a step towards a place in Europe's last eight. A header from substitute Roberto Firmino opened the scoring before the ever-reliable Mohamed Salah stabbed in a second. But it certainly wasn't an easy win for the Reds, with the hosts coming close on several occasions. We'll have the reaction of half-frozen chief LFC writer for the Liverpool Echo, Ian Doyle, Jurgen Klopp's press conference, the press of Interboss Simone Inzaghi, who leaves after just two questions, and of course, the thoughts of the Reds fans in the San Siro. Enjoy. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Well, it's all over here at the San Siro and Liverpool have taken a major step towards reaching the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They've won by two goals to nil against Inter Milan and to be perfectly honest, I don't think anybody could have seen that coming about you know, three quarters into the game. Uh, Inter Milan played reasonably well. thought Liverpool didn't really... They started OK, but uh, they kind of lost their way a little bit towards half-time and Inter Milan started the second half strongly. caused Liverpool... There were quite a few problems, but Liverpool had uh, the best player the, on the pitch in Virgil van Dijk for about 15 minutes in the, at the start of the second half. He seemed to be playing the Inter Milan team, basically, well, the attack, basically by himself. Uh, he was aided by Ibrahima Canati, who, who came in, he was one of four changes uh, for Liverpool. He replaced Joel Matip at centre-back and he, uh, he had a good game. Of course, Canati played here for Liverpool against AC Milan at the San Siro back in December and played well then, so... You know, bit of a lucky ground for him but and Liverpool needed that because uh, as I say the, the performance wasn't particularly up to scratch certainly in the midfield and going forward for large parts of the game and what we did learn though from, from this uh, performance is the strength in Jurgen Klopp's squad now you're allowed five substitutions so you can make five substitutions in the Champions League Jurgen Klopp made the most of it one of the first one was enforced he had to bring on Roberto Firmino at half time because Diogo Jota's got an ankle problem and, uh, and then just round about the hour he brought on three other players and Jordan Henderson, Naby Keita and uh, new signing Luis Diaz uh, Henderson came on for Fabinho which was a little bit of a surprise because I thought Fabinho had been one of Liverpool's best players uh, Diaz came on the left for Sadio Mane and Keita came on for Harvey Elliott so Harvey Elliott had been a, a surprise starter to be honest uh, you know, he certainly deserved it up from his uh, cameo performance since, since he's came back from injury. But uh, he, I wouldn't say he was out of his depth, but it was a bit of a, a bit of a rude awakening for him. It wasn't helped that, that so many other players around him were, were giving away possession too much. But you know, Harvey, he, he did learn quite a lot. He'll have learned quite a lot for, from his performance, and he was uh, he was, became Liverpool's actually youngest ever player to play in the Champions League, 18 years old. And this was actually his, you know that was his uh, say his first start since his since his injury back in September. Um, but the changes did improve Liverpool but it was the, say, it was the one who came on at half time uh, Firmino who got the opening goal on 75 minutes it came again from a corner I mean Liverpool have become very good at uh, making the most of these opportunities from set pieces it was a delivery from Andy Robertson on the uh, right actually um, he swung it in with his left foot and in swinger Firmino got to it first at the near post and just put in a lovely glancing header and it went into the far far corner beyond uh, beyond Handanovic the Inter Milan goalkeeper 
uh, that kind of just uh, deflated the whole atmosphere for the uh, the Inter fans because we here there was you know we were at 50% capacity because of coronavirus restrictions here in Italy but it sounded as though there was a lot more though I think the Inter fans were very good thought Inter played reasonably well as I say Simonians argue their manager set them up in a 3-5-2 and it caused Liverpool problems certainly out wide but Alisson didn't really have the save to make the nearest that uh, the nearest that Inter got was actually after about 16 minutes when uh, down the left uh, Perisic had a good game he'd put the ball in and Hakan had a shot from about the angle it was a was a bit of a tight angle from about eight yards and it hit the uh, hit the crossbar and that, that was the nearest that Inter came uh, they had one or two glimpses in the second half but as I say it was the performances of Van Dijk and, and Canati kept them at bay and with Liverpool one nil ahead they started to find gaps and they made it two with about seven minutes to go Mohamed Salah he was uh, on hand to put in a deflected effort after a Trent Alexander-Arnold cross from the right was uh, knocked down by Virgil van Dijk who was, was, was Liverpool's best player and uh, Salah got his, gets his 24th goal of the season that's 12 in 12 in the Champions League for, in, for him as I say in his last 12 appearances in the competition but uh, overall Liverpool will be satisfied I mean the second legs to come at Anfield in a couple of, in a couple of weeks and there'll be strong favourites to get through um, even at nil-nil I think that would have been a good result for the way the game had gone but what we did learn as I say was this, this, the actual strength in depth that Liverpool have got although there is the worry of that Jotter injury you know, Klopp has said after the game that we'd find out a bit more about that in the next uh, in the next day or so and also there was an unusual situation where it appeared that in the warm down after the game when all the fans had gone well nearly all the fans had gone Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain uh, seem to suffer an injury so we'll find out a little bit more about that but uh, overall in a, a very very cold San Siro Liverpool have got themselves another famous victory it wasn't the, the prettiest game it was uh, quite as ugly as um, as the Burnley one but it was, it was getting close to it but uh, they've got the victory and uh, the quadruple is still on The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel In terms of the extent of his injury no, I don't know that. Um, how is that? Twist the ankle, swollen. Um, that's obviously not a good sign, but we have to see. We, we, we will check it as early as possible tomorrow, um, but we need uh, further, further assessment. Okay, we go to John Cross next, and then we'll go to John Murray. Uh, they're the next two questions. John Cross. Hi, Jürgen. I just wonder whether I could ask you about the resilience of your performance, particularly in defence. They were so strong, so determined. You know, that was the, probably the platform for, for, for such a famous victory like this. Absolutely, absolutely. Really, we defended really well. So, in uh, the way you have to defend it. So, we, we like to win the ball early, but if that's not possible, and against them, it's not really possible because they make the pitch really big with the three center backs here. They pass a lot of back pass to them, and then from there, they go diagonal to either Dumfrey or, 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 or Perisic. Um, that makes it really tricky. So, you have to defend with passion. Organization helps as well, but with passion. And um, I thought you are right. Defensively, um, it was a really strong performance. But it would be it would be silly if we wouldn't defend well because we um, it means a lot to us this competition, these games, and um, so we invested a lot, and it's good. Thanks, John. John Murray next from the BBC and the stands. Uh, hi, Jurgen. Yeah, just can can I ask the the goal that you scored from the corner? Was that something that you had specifically prepared for? Yeah. Pete Kravitz, um, 
and now analysts are responsible for that. So when we do the analyze, then they um, we obviously see how the opponent is defending. That's how it is. Everybody is doing that, and we don't we didn't have a lot of time obviously to train, but yes, we we trained set pieces yesterday. So that was the only proper thing we did in training a bit of tactical stuff but without intensity but that piece you cannot train without intensity because one has to shoot and the other guys have to run um so yes it's all credit to pete and his boys go to chris bascom and then we take two more chris next hi hi again um harvey harvey became um the youngest ever liverpool player in the champions league tonight it was a huge responsibility you gave him and just wonder a few words about his performance such maturity that's absolutely okay harvey can play so much better we know that the reason why harvey played was because we knew where which spaces we have to play and it's usually naturally his his area, these half spaces um, around the, 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 the midfield three, um, being very flexible, naturally offensive minded, all these kind of things. That's why he played. Um, had good, really good moments, but we all, we all know that he can play much better, but um, he did the job. He was working incredibly hard and all these kind of things. But yeah, when you're 18 years old and you play against one of the most experienced teams maybe in world football, and they are Italian on top of that, so an offensive player, not a, not a walk in the park. And um, so, yeah, was, uh, I think, a very, very important game for him and um, very helpful for us as well. Okay, last two questions we take from uh, Maurizio, who I think, uh, am I going to ask to unmute? Mute? Will we have a translation, sir, in the room? Yes, thank you. Maurizio, next. Can you hear me? Hi, Mr. Klopp. Congratulations on this match. Considering the ability of Inter of playing more or less like you, at least for 75 minutes, we have to say that those two goals at the end, they have been so important. And would, that, would it have been dangerous for you playing the return game with a draw, zero draw? It's half time, um, nothing else. So Inter has, that's how it is in, in, in knockout stages. You learn a lot about the opponent. You, before you'd make an analyze without playing them. After that, you make an analyze with playing them. So we, both teams know much more about each other. So we don't feel like halfway through or whatever. We know it will be a tricky one and um, we have to be ready for that. But I didn't see a thing. I didn't see a, uh, that we play similar, but they played good. They play different to us. They do a lot of different things, but they are good and um, really good. And so that's why halftime, tune it up. If, if it's a proper halftime, like today, we are tuning up halftime. I don't tell the boys, oh my God, job done. Uh, put your legs on the table. It's um, That's a very tricky result. And why should we think differently about it now? Final question is from Dario, uh, who's from Radio 24. Dario, you've got the final question now, Preston. Okay, good. Buonasera, Mr. Klopp. Um, che cosa la good evening, good night, Mr. Klopp. Uh, have you been surprised by the tactical side of Inter? What have been difficult from the tactical point of view? You see them much more often. Have you been surprised? So yeah, but what I what I saw tonight that the system was clear what they play. Um, the way they play, we have 
but they but they did they are a very physical team because a very experienced team and um, I thought most of the time when when they had chances was after we lost the ball in the wrong areas but that can happen because they are really uh, were good in the challenges played there from there really smart balls but um, where we really struggled with and that was not we knew that before the game that it will happen they have this deep last line pass the ball back and from there they play the diagonal balls to Dumfries or Perisic, so that's difficult to defend. We are a pressing team, but that's how we outplay press. Um, and we tried everything. In the beginning, we did really well. Um, but our high press, I think it was tricky for them to to um, find a way out there. But we didn't get anything from it. So we invested a lot with this high, intense pressing, but we didn't get anything for it. So no chance, no goal. And then it's difficult to keep that up. But in general, nope, I was not surprised. Um, they are good. We know that now 100%. And um, we have to make sure that we are ready for the second half. Thank you, everybody. And thank you for the press conference. So appreciate it. Thank you. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. I think that this match has been very good. We have to be proud of it. We we played versus we played against one of the best teams in Europe, and at least for 75 minutes, I think we deserved to to, to win this match. Unfortunately, this didn't happen. We didn't manage to score. Maybe because there was some lack of attention from our side, we hit the crossbar, and uh, well, they then they were uh, luckier than us. I had I have said congratulations. I have congratulated with them, and I am very thankful to the supporters who who have been with us uh, since the beginning. Now the floor goes to area. Hi, Simone. Many Inter supporters have already bought the uh, ticket flight for the return game in Anfield. Uh, what is your message for them? What is your message for them? Should they go there and visit the stadium, visit the city, or do you think we have the possibility, the chance to, to win that match and to pass this round of 16? Well, I think that we could also see tonight's match uh, from another standpoint, from different point of view, because if we take a look at the rival, then we uh, we have played very well because the, our opponent was very good and is always very good. Um, there are a few a few teams like Liverpool. There are no further questions, so thank you very much. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's big 2-0 win away at Inter Milan and two away goals. Um, not that that really means as much as it used to. <laughs> I'm not sure that I could get my head around the decision to change that rule. I've, I've All my life I've grown up with Liverpool in European competition and away goals being a factor. Um, I, I seem to be in a slight minority, but... To me, it encourages attacking football. It stops teams defending uh, away from home and, and gives them something to play for. Uh, but yeah, I can see the I can see the alternate argument as well. Um, in any case, two away goals here is of great value to Liverpool. The tie is effectively killed off, um, regardless of 
them counting double in the event of a draw. And that's great news for Liverpool to, to go to the San Siro and, and do that again is uh is fabulous stuff and um it was it was a steady first half but after we really were under the cosh for 15 20 minutes there we, we came on really strong substitutions were big and i think that substitutions were were key weren't they i think also very very key was the starting lineup today um i I I was pleased with the starting lineup. It was very much what I expected in many regards. I expected Konate to take Matip's place, not because I think Matip played particularly poorly last weekend, although he perhaps wasn't 100%, but he's, you know, he's we all know what he's capable of defensively. He's, he sticks a valuable leg in uh, very often indeed. Uh, his timing is is superb. But I don't think Jurgen Klopp unless he's really pressed, is willing to play Joel Matip three times in the space of eight days or seven days or whatever it was. I think we've seen that already this season. I think perhaps Joel is his is his number one choice as Van Dijk's partner, but he's not willing to let him have a run of games because he knows that he's vulnerable to injuries. And we have Conate and we have Joe Gomez and they are very able to come in and um, and take some of the workload, which is sensible. So I didn't expect Matip. I I I, I fully expected Konate to be selected. I also had the the inkling that uh, Harvey Elliott would play again. I think we've seen that hand played before by by Jurgen earlier in the season, of course, before Harvey's injury. If I'm not mistaken, it was a Champions League game, a, a fairly crucial one, and he started, and it was quite a surprise. And this was very much off the back of him getting plenty of game time right at the beginning of the season. So, assuming he felt that Harvey Elliott was was fit and and match fit, you know, having come back from his injury, I felt he would get the start today. One thing about about that though, and combining him with Thiago, you know, if you look at our number eights if you if you take Fabinho as the number six and then we play two eights ahead of him you've got I'd say three defensive eights with Naby Keita, Jordan Henderson, James Milner you've got two more attacking eights and that would certainly be Harvey Elliott and um, and Thiago it makes very progressive passes forward as well doesn't he and Curtis Jones is a kind of a nice uh, fit between the two I would say but away from home in the Champions League last 16 against Inter Milan. That's quite a luxury to play two very much attack-minded number eights in Thiago and Harvey. And I think although we more than held our own in the first half, it was very necessary that all of that was changed once Inter Milan got a bit of a grip on the game in the early part of the second half. 15, 20 minutes or so, wasn't it? And they looked... They looked as if there may be a threat and you felt that perhaps if that was going to continue, they might just dominate that second half and there would be every chance of a goal. So I wasn't surprised when Harvey Elliott was was taken off. Um, and it was actually quite a relief to see Hendo come on. I was completely OK with him not being selected. I think he he he's probably not 100% fit at the moment and I don't think he played supremely well um, last time out for Liverpool. But... I think he added that steel that we needed 
and I was very happy to see Naby Keita come on. Um, the Hendo for Fabinho swap, I must admit, I'm a, a, I found a little bit curious. There's obviously something there that, that Jürgen saw that I didn't, unless Fabinho's injured, and I hope that's not the case. Same for Diego Diogo Jota, by the way, as well, because that was a a strange substitution to make at half-time. He has, I think, done it before, but um, yeah, again, there might be the hint of an injury there for Jota. Let, let's hope not. But it was good to see Naby Keita come on because I think he, with the ball at his feet, um, is able to just slow things down a little bit, uh, put his foot on the ball. And Hendo, strong challenger, gets the ball moving quickly. You know, that was a solid pair to bring on. And almost instantly... The game took on a different character, uh, which was excellent. And that, I think, led led to the goals. Uh, um, great little nod from Bobby Firmino and um, well taken by Mo Salah, who, who I think obviously gave, was it Canate, I think, uh, a big shout to leave it and let him swing his left foot at it. So that was um, inspired substitutions and delighted with that. And I can't see any way that we won't get through to the next round now. So, magnificent performance. Final word on Trent Alexander-Arnold. Shooting from free kicks. He had one effort. And it wasn't far away, to be very, very fair. It was uh, fairly well taken. It was probably both high and wide, but it wasn't that far away from the apex. And um, if he keeps drilling them in like that, we may have more success. At Galasahi on Twitter. G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I. Mike Holt from Go In The Match Podcast with my review on Inner Milan nil, Liverpool 2, which sees the Reds have another glorious win at San Siro, turn into a bit of a um, stomping ground for the Reds. Um, a, pretty, a pretty historic ground. Um, wasn't plain sailing for the Reds tonight. I think people that maybe won't have seen the game have looked at the score, might think that was a bit of a foregone conclusion, but it was far from it, to be honest. Um, not in the sense that Liverpool didn't play well, but I just think Inter Milan had their chances. Um, I think first half, we, we, we did play well. Um, we sort of, we didn't keep the ball very well, but we were a constant threat going forward. You know, we were getting in and around... Um, Handanovic's goal but we weren't really putting the ball away it's like we were trying to walk it in there was a lot of times we were getting in the box but we didn't have someone to just lay a foot through it and just have a go um, and then I suppose the second half was completely different in terms of Inter Milan for maybe 20-25 minutes had, had the upper hand um, they were penning us back had a few chances You know, they hit the crossbar at one point as well and you know they they have got some good players. I've watched um, a lot of Serie A, Serie A this season, um, in Milan particularly, and they are a quite a stubborn team. They're probably one of the more attacking teams in Serie A in terms of the threat they've got. Um, I think Jacko really impressed me tonight. Um, you know, given his age, I thought he was, you know, he got around the pitch quite well. He linked up well with Martinez. Um, I think maybe Barella, Nico. Um, Nico Barella was a big miss for them tonight. Having someone in midfield with a bit of creativity and a bit of energy, having someone like Vidal come in who doesn't usually play, you know, I think that hindered them a little bit. Um, but they did cause us some problems. Um, I suppose looking at our team, um, you know, 
throughout the throughout the starting lineup at the back, Van Dyke and Canate played really well. I thought Canate especially was superb. I had a bit of an inkling that he might have played today, um, given given his pace um, is a lot better than Matip's to deal with Latour and Martinez, um, and you know he really. He really did play well defensively. There was one opportunity where Van Dijk could come across and, um, you know, Canati was sort of had to block the ball or go to the man and he sort of did both in the same instance and, you know, he was really good um, throughout. The fullbacks were a little bit, um, not, I don't know if disappointing maybe the word, but Phil Robertson particularly was quite poor, especially in that first half. His delivery was really not good and, there's lots of times he was getting the ball and spraying it across, to, you know, our own back four, causing us all sorts of problems. You know, he didn't really seem quite on it, and which is a shame, really. And maybe with the Norwich game on Saturday, I probably would like to see Simicast have a go. Um, I think probably Jurgen will throw him into that game, um, give Robertson a rest. But you know, I would like to see Simicast have another go because when he's been called upon. He's done really well. Um, Trent the same. You know, he wasn't terrible, but he probably wasn't at his best tonight. Um, in midfield, uh, Fabinho, Thiago and Harvey Elliott. Obviously a massive game for Harvey Elliott to come into. I think he struggled, to be honest. Um, you know, it wasn't that he was he was terrible. He, I just think he struggled to get into the play of the game. Um he didn't really get much of the ball, and when he did, he didn't do too much with it. I think he was kind of lost. Maybe he needed someone like Henderson to sort of guard him through that game. With Thiago, I thought Thiago was really good, by the way. Um, you know, he got around the pitch, and you know, he kept hold the ball for us a lot of the time. Fabinho, likewise. You know, you always, you know, you always going to get a solid performance out of Fabinho. Um, and the front three of Mane, Salah, and Jota didn't do too much, to be honest. Um, like I said at the start, you know, they were getting in areas in and around the box, but they weren't really just taking a stab at it and having a go, um, which is quite frustrating. But obviously the sub at half-time, um, Jota coming off, Firmino coming on. Took Firmino a while to get into it, but when he did, he was really good. Obviously gets the goal, the flick on with the header. Um, you know, really impressive header that was. Really um, well-placed if he meant to do that. You know, the keeper's got no chance there. Um, and obviously the second goal, Salah, um, like I say, in the first half, we just needed that. We needed someone to just put your foot through it and have a go. You know, it might take a little deflection off someone, which in this case it did for the second goal. Um, and that sort of second goal probably gives us a big sign of relief going into the second leg. Um, obviously, we're massive, massive favourites to go through now. Um, and to be honest, I think Diaz coming on was a really good substitution. Um Alongside Henderson, I think Henderson did really well to just shore that midfield up and give a bit of leadership where it was needed um, when he came on. And Diaz, you know, just his trickery. You know, defenders don't know where he's going to come or go. And bringing Diaz on in a late game like that, where the defenders are tired, you know, it's it's very um, it's very crucial, actually, um, for the, maybe the style of play that Jürgen wants and to kill games off, which I think he had a big effect on. Um, but like I say, 2-0 victory, you know, in Milan didn't have a shot on goal, a clean sheet for us. Um, it, it's it's a really, really, really massive win. Um, like I say, 2-0 might have flattered us slightly, um, but, you know, at this point in the competition, who really cares? It's all about the result. Um, taking them back to Anfield, you know, you'd think that Liverpool are probably through. 
now. Um, and yeah, going into the Norwich game on Saturday, um, I'm back at Anfield myself, so I'll be um, delighted to provide a preview from when I'm there. Maybe a few um, shake-ups, like I say, maybe the likes of Simicast coming in. Diaz will probably start, hopefully, um, get to see him. Hopefully the jotter injury isn't too bad, it's just a knock. Um, and, you know, yeah, like I say, really important win for the Reds. You know, I think we had one of the toughest draws, uh, the English teams there of um, champions of Italy and Inter Milan. So, you know, really impressive performance. Um, and we'll just go into Norwich on Saturday with the same. Hello, Alex Watt from Did It Cross The Line podcast. And great result in the end. You know, a stressful 75 minutes or so, which actually ended up being... A great win in the end and a bit of a routine Reds European performance under Klopp, actually. You know, maybe we shouldn't worry so much watching these games, but that's all part and parcel of being a football fan, isn't it? Um, and it's it's funny because when the team sheet first dropped, my initial thought was hell of a team. You know, it seemed like we had loads of the big guns out. It was obviously great to see Harvey Elliott get the nod as well to start in the San Siro. Uh, And he did look very comfortable in a Champions League game, uh, last 16 game against a team of this magnitude. But, you know, overall in the end, it was the substitutions which ended up making the difference. You know, Henderson, Cater, Firmino, came on and changed the game, really, for me. Um, Luis Diaz, too, was fantastic. You know, everyone said it. He slotted into this Liverpool side so seamlessly, which is lovely to see. You know, that happened so quickly. But Hendo, Keita, Firmino were, were key for me in coming on because it was a tricky one tonight. You know, it was an intense game. Inter played really well, you know. They're in the hunt in Serie A for a reason um, at the end of the day. And there were a fair few nail-biting moments along the way tonight. They hit the bar. Kalinoglu was a worry. Perisic was a worry. Um, Arturo Vidal was a worry for different reasons, just by being an absolute irritant to watch as usual. Um, Also, by the way, hands up, who else legitimately forgot Alexis Sanchez was still at Inter um but we did have to dig in at times tonight and I know many people have said this as well but tonight did show this once again Virgil van Dijk is very much back to his best at the back he was just unbeatable tonight and as stressful as it can be as a Liverpool fan when you see the opposition attack it's a joy to watch him defend against those attacks so calmly and confidently like he does um just yeah what else can you say about him unbelievable player um and yeah we had to dig in we had to get control back in the second half our attackers weren't at their best for for a long period of the game but ultimately we kept going Klopp made the right changes at the right time and we got the rewards for that and that's the thing sometimes Klopp in the past, some people have criticised him for not being reactive enough and not being quick enough with his subs, but he acted so quickly tonight, you know, really made use of the five subs rule. He got Firmino on for Jota at the start of the second half to get that link back between midfield and attack. He brought the three on at once as we started to lose our grip on midfield. As I said, Hendo came on and he just calmed it all down with his pressing, his control, his leadership. Cater really got a grip on that area and 
obviously it's funny because Fabinho is obviously so renowned for that DM role and he is the best in the business at it most weeks, but he did have a rare moment in this game, the second half of losing that control. And he also didn't get another goal to continue his golden boot run. So that was disappointing as well. But yeah, I thought Hendo and Naby were phenomenal when they came on. Um, In the space of about five minutes, the game went from a tricky encounter where we couldn't find the breakthrough. It felt like we were going to go back to Anfield with, you know, a frustrated nil-nil, feeling like we should have done better, to us being two goals up, looking comfortable. You know, Bobby Firmino went and did a Bobby Firmino. Um, magic header at exactly the right time. What a guy. And then Mosalar, who... Inter, to their credit, had managed to keep quiet for most of the game. He finally worked some space in the area, got the shot away, and it was 2-0, just like that. Um, It would be great if the away goal rule still existed. What a stupid decision that is to get rid of it, but that's probably a rant for another time. It's annoying not to have that extra advantage after we had to battle so hard to get those goals away from home, but ultimately I think the two-goal cushion is going to be enough to see us through even without the away goal rule now going into that second leg um and that is seven games in the champions league this season that we've won every single one it's an incredible run we're putting together in the competition this season and it really does feel like we're getting the momentum at the right time we've got a full squad again after all the injury woes of the last couple of years just a really exciting time again with this run back in the hunt in the league league cup final coming up you know you can't you can't complain too much when you're still in the hunt for all four trophies really so great win love these guys Here's to the next game. Cheers. Up the Reds. 2-0 win for the Reds away at Inter Milan at the San Siro this evening. And that's definitely one foot in the next round with a home game to come at Anfield. A uh, few changes in the starting lineup. Harvey Elliott started, which was a bit, probably the big surprise. Um, European His European debut, uh, only 18 years of age. Uh, Canate came in at centre-back. Um, yeah, and it started off very energetic, the game, quite end-to-end. Uh, Inter Milan f- did impress me, to be fair. Uh, they were pressing at the right times. Uh, they There was a lot of sloppiness from Liverpool, maybe, in that first half where we were losing the ball in the last third, and Inter Milan were capitalising on that, and I think they did it at the bar at one point with um, some good work down the left-hand side. Um but yeah, it was it was a decent decent open game. No real clear cut chances for Liverpool. A good uh, headed chance maybe for Mane, and they had the um, overhead chance. But other than that, nothing real clear cut. But it was a good end to end game, and it was, yeah, I thought it was a decent watch. Um, but yeah, we're going into the second half thinking we need a little bit more, a little bit more quality. A little bit more um, in the midfield, get hold of the ball, get the strikers involved a little bit more. He brought Firmino one at half time for Jota, which uh, definitely helped. And then we started off the second half really poorly, to be fair. The first 15 minutes got totally overrun by Inter Milan, and they created again a few more chances. They just probably lacked that little bit of quality in the last third. But we did get overrun them first 15 minutes and then Klopp's rightly made uh, a triple substitution. 
had Cater Diaz and Hendo all came on. And I think probably that was that was the difference maker really. We just needed someone like a Hendo to get control of that midfield. And that's what he did really. I thought Henderson was really good when he came on. Um yeah, Elliot started the game and it's gonna do the lad the world of good. He's a young, young lad, but he did probably struggle a little bit. I can understand the thinking. Elliot on young lad, legs, you know, run around, got all the energy in the world. But on that stage, maybe it was a big, big ask for him to come in and you could see the experience of Endo, the composure, the the talking, the everything. So I thought Endo was really good when he came on, as was Cater, to be fair. Got himself on the ball quite well. Diaz caused his usual problems that we've seen. Um, loved to run at a man and he had a couple of decent shots. So, yeah, I think the substitutions definitely made a difference. And it was... Um, the early substitution for Mino, who's got the first goal, with great header, great bit of movement off a corner, great ball in from um, Andy Robbo. A glancing header, keeper's got no chance, it's it's nestled in the uh, bottom corner. And that totally knocked the stuffing out of uh, into Milan. And that was basically game over from that. They, the legs just seemed to go straight from under them at that point. And it was no more than five minutes later, Salah's got the second good ball in and it was uh, Van Dijk who was still up I think from the corner or the, the set piece was it nodded it down and Salah's come in and does what he does and slotted the ball with his left foot and it's and it's game over and Liverpool have won the game 2-0 wasn't a classic performance but maybe it's a classic away European performance we've got the job done no goals conceded apparently away goals don't count now so that probably doesn't even matter now. We've got the two goals and it's going to take something special for Inter to come and knock Liverpool out at Anfield. So I'm pretty confident that that's us in the next round and we will enjoy the home leg against Inter. And it is what it is, yeah. Um, Inter Milan-wise, Vidal, I thought he was decent for them. I know he's, a, he's an agent player now. He must be 34, 35. Seems to have been around for ages. I thought he was really good. He he was involved in everything they did. That passage down their left hand side was in constantly, constantly in in the space and attacking the space. But he just lacked that little bit of final bit of pace maybe up front and it could have been a different game. Yeah, I mentioned the ref as well. I thought the ref had a really, really good game. Didn't fall for any of the nonsense early doors, which you know these Italian teams are famed for. The rolling round, the play acting. There was little bits and bobs from Vidal, but the ref just absolutely shut it down straight away. And that seemed to knock it on the head. And I thought the ref made the game, even though, like I say, it wasn't a classic game. It was a, it was a good watch. And I think that's down to the referee. He's let the game flow. Didn't Wasn't blowing up constantly. Just let the game flow. If there was tackles, he, he'd play the advantage. And So we, we, I don't know where the ref was from or... Or what, but credit to the referee, it made it an interesting game. So all in all, a fantastic away performance, away results, 2-0. Like I say, job's done bit basically the next games in three weeks at Anfield. I'm very confident. I look forward to going down there, seeing Inter Milan, but yeah, it's job done. Got two league games coming up before the cup final. So it's all exciting times for Liverpool. Looking forward to the next game. Saturday, 
Back to business in the Premier League. The squad's looking really strong. We can rotate. We've got options. It's all good. Come on, Liverpool. Outstanding first leg result for Liverpool going to the San Siro and coming away with a 2-0 victory. And especially because within the game, I felt, especially at the beginning of the second half, Inter Milan played really, really well and gave a really good account of themselves. And it turned into a really difficult fixture for Liverpool. I felt that Liverpool actually played well at the first period of the first half. The distances of the team out of possession were excellent. They were stealing the ball back, able to get in really good positions, and yet the final ball was at times lacking. And that can somehow sometimes happen actually with Liverpool's forward line as good as they are. The very vertical players they like to to play the ball forward early, and sometimes just that little bit of a delay on the last pass, and having someone with that little bit of better time and in the decision making to almost slow the game down when everything's so fast paced and the ball's turned over quickly and produced the right pass sometimes lacks Liverpool they do miss that kind of player in comparison to say Manchester City who've got a couple of players who are really good in that sense just in terms of almost stopping the game still freezing the game and then finding them moving targets in the forward line but so I felt that was the main problem for Liverpool in the first period of the first half and then they slightly lost the way and that obviously went into the second half then in which Inter Milan took some control of the fixture before obviously Liverpool then ended up with a two-goal advantage and never more did it show the importance of set plays and I think Liverpool uh, benefited massively over Klopp's reign in the detail they put into set plays you know, the, a lot of people would identify that in, I suppose, normal football terms, fan bases would see sort of an in-swinging corner as the being the most dangerous version of attacking. Now, obviously, that is not how Liverpool do it. Liverpool are very much an out-swinging corner. And everything that Liverpool do based on set plays, whether it be defending or attacking, is all done in great detail. And there's great thought process in behind the patterns that they, they look to work on and implements, whether it be the delivery of the free kick, the movements in the box. And that also goes, of course, for defending set players as well in terms of the setup and what players take up, what positions. And then fine margins and then few more percent you can get out of a team can really make a big difference over the season, especially when Liverpool have excellent set play taken in Trent Alexander-Arnold, Andy Robertson, who can also take a set play to a sufficient level to be able to generate chances and you've got players such as Virgil van Dijk, the top goal scorer and defending the Premier League for like the last four years. I mean, allied to all the other things that he does brilliantly when he was out, Liverpool missed a massive presence in the opposition box as well. And having them them players capable of making movements into the box and going in with real conviction to try and win the ball, escape a marker, and go in with that conviction to, to score a goal and not just make up the numbers in the penalty area means that the concoction Liverpool have has really paid dividends over the course of the season. And they can just be massive advantages and crucial stages of games if you can deliver the correct set play and you've always got an opportunity to just come out with uh, an advantageous outcome, whether it be defending or attacking them at key stages. So that was shown again. I felt the game swung, though, on the the changes Klopp could make in the second half and decided to make. And I know that Jordan Henderson has came in for a lot of stick over recent weeks for his performances. And you won't find a bigger Jordan Henderson fan than myself. I think he's been absolutely outstanding for Liverpool and is a a top-class player. I have no question about that. But one thing 
and that I would agree with is that he's had a particularly poor season this season. And I think you have to look at the reasons potentially why. So I don't think it's the players fell off a cliff or anything like that. You have to look at the vast majority of his playing position. And I think Henderson's always flitted between two roles playing for Liverpool. And that's been the deepest player in the midfield three, which obviously Fabinho now occupies on a, on a more consistent basis. I know he's had injury problems, but you know if he's fit, he takes up that role. And the other position, obviously that inside right interior position, of the within the midfield three, the Henderson also occupies, which suits his profile and has done because of that ability to be able to play the ball in, the killed ball into the penalty area and really function as a right-sided player. For example, you couldn't see Henderson really fitting in as a left-sided interior player. In fact, earlier on in the season, I remember he played the role, I think, when Harvey Elliott was in the same team and obviously they liked to get Elliott on the right-hand side and sort of combine him with his left foot in that position. It didn't work because they're the two positions that Henderson takes up, either the, the deepest player or the right-sided player. Now, within Liverpool's system, that right-sided player has become higher in the average uh, position on the football field. Liverpool have obviously looked to, to tinker with that slightly. And because of that, that changes the, the profile of the player that's probably needed in there because they have to take up higher positions. They've got to play in amongst more bodies and they've got to play in potentially receiving the ball at angles and times when there's less time, more pressure and decision-making has got to be quicker allied to that. So because of that, some players will be more suited to that. For example, Harvey Elliott, because he's more likely to have played in a higher position the rest of his career albeit young career, it becomes natural to him. Whereas Jordan Henderson is a player who's always operated a little bit deeper. And then when he's receiving the balls in them positions and also having less time in which to receive them, obviously that impacts on his decision-making and overall quality. And I think that's what you need to look at when you're identifying potentially why Henderson struggled this season. And a lot of players who play deeper in midfield, for example, who were what you'd call natural central midfield players, have probably also struggled with the role because it's not a custom. It's like when you know people often say about a, a good attacking fullback, and they say, "Well, they feel it'd be really good, for example, playing it on the on the wing in a higher position in midfield." But that's not an easy translation. I remember Liverpool fans quite often used to say it about Glenn Johnson. You know, obviously a good attacking fullback, but it's a totally different game as a fullback. As an attacking fullback, for example, Trent Alexander-Arnold's a good example now. You can see the game all in front of you. So you're coming from a deep position, a full-back position, and get your head up, see the game in front of you, and travel with the ball into that space. Now, when you're receiving in a higher position, you've got to play on the half turn, and again, you've got less time and space and potentially pressure from a few more sides when you receive the ball. So that's why it doesn't always translate over. And I think it's definitely been the case in Henderson's form for Liverpool and had a, had a key effect in that and the fact that Liverpool have adopted, uh, changed the position, adapted it and made it higher on the football field. But Henderson showed again today that when he comes into his deeper position, which for me has always been his best position, he can play on the right-hand side, albeit in a deeper role than what Liverpool are looking to do this season. But the deepest position in midfield has always been his best position. Now his problem, of course, is that Liverpool have got a world-class operator in, the, in Fabinho. But if you get Henderson backing up the ball and not going beyond the ball and being an insurance policy in midfield to circulate the ball, play with minimal touches and get himself into good areas to intercept and see the game in front of him rather than being ahead of the game, then he's a really, really top player in the position and would start for 99% of other Premier League teams 
in that role. And I think today he showed just that. I felt he really had a calming effect on Liverpool. I felt he took up really good positions, used the ball intelligently and got Liverpool ticking over in terms of his circulation. Now, he's going to be a key player for Liverpool because the amount of games that Liverpool have, Fabinho obviously can't play every game. For example, you would feel that he may not play against, for example, Norwich at the weekend. And the only two players who are capable of playing in that deepest position as a single deepest player are Henderson and Fabinho. So you're going to see a lot of Henderson playing in that role and he's going to have a crucial part to play because you think of the other players who you could potentially see played in. Thiago's obviously played in a, in, a, in a two for the majority of his career, but never really as the single deepest player. And because of his physicality and his inability to cover ground, you wouldn't really want him in there as your insurance policy. And obviously James Milner's at a point in his career where he is not going to be a starting player for Liverpool in a midfield three in any any competitive game, which the results defines Liverpool's season on. And also, he's never been a deepest player in a midfield three ever in his career, bar from maybe cup games where there's no pressure on the results. So I just wanted to point that out today. There was a lot of good performances in the, in the team. I felt Van Dijk is just imperious. I mean, he's really back to his best. I thought Canati was was excellent as well. And there was other good cameos from the substitute bench in Luis Diaz and, and Navi Keita. But yeah, I just wanted to mention Jordan Henderson today because I felt that when you're looking at why players potentially haven't played as well as they can, there's normally reasons behind it. And for me, the, the, the primary reason is that he's never going to excel in a position in which he has to play beyond the ball where he's got less time and space to make decisions and has pressure from multiple sides when receiving. If you get him back and up the ball with the game in front of him, excellent player and will be vital for Liverpool. So it'll be interesting to see how Klopp works the dynamics of his midfield from game to game in which there are plenty coming up. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.